and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Hello, this is Vidas Pinkavichus and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. Today's guests are uh, my wife, Aushra Motuzeida Pinkavichna, and my colleague and friend, organist, Paulus Grigonis. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. I'm uh, very pleased to have this conversation with you uh, today because um, we, we share a very, a very interesting story together uh, about, um, about uh, um, eight or, uh, yes, eight years ago, uh, we founded National Association of Organists in Lithuania in 2007, back in 2007, and the goal of this uh, association was to promote uh, the quality organ art uh, here in Lithuania and uh, to unite more organists into the common goal so that pipe organ art would uh, survive in, in this uh, difficult and complicated 21st century. So, uh, today we are going to talk about uh, uh, the church music uh, uh, and the organ playing situation in Lithuania and uh, uh, we will share stories from our uh, travels together because we, we've done together about 20 or 30 organ demonstrations uh, as a group uh, for kids and adults in various churches, uh, village churches and city churches, big and small uh, places uh, with one manual organs, two manuals, three manual organs, even on synthesizers we've done some of that. So it was a fascinating time to travel together and uh, I'm very excited to talk about these uh, uh, subjects with you guys. So uh, again, let's, uh, let's uh, start uh, uh, with uh, Paulus. Uh, Paulus, uh, could you introduce yourself a little bit and uh, tell us uh, uh, what do you do and uh, uh, what is your place in this church organ situation with Wayne? I work in a church as an organist and choir master maybe for for six years now for six years right uh, who introduced you to the organ uh, who was the first person do you know do you remember the story when you first fell in love with the organ yes it was uh, when I was a kid I heard uh, the organ of um, Konas Cathedral uh, maybe I was five years old mm mm-hmm. That was my first big in, in, uh, impression. And you, since then, you always wanted to be an organist, right? Well, yes. Mm-hmm. It was a dream to play organ. Wonderful. And Osha, uh, of course, uh, uh, our listeners are familiar with Osha from her um, podcast conversation about harmony, because Osha is an expert in, in harmony, music theory, and other. Um, related uh, subjects uh, where she teaches uh, these uh, classes in National Academy, National School of Arts uh, in Lithuania. Uh, and uh, uh, Osha, can you tell us uh, what was uh, the most interesting organ that you saw in Lithuania, the most uh, fascinating instrument that, that you touched? 
During our demonstrations or in general? It could be both ways. Maybe that was during our demonstrations. Who knows? Well, I would say that the most interesting was Kasparini organ in Vilnius, mm-hmm. Holy Ghost Church. But also in Titovene. Mm-hmm. That was quite a fascinating instrument. And Titovene organ, we have to remind our listeners from around the globe that... Uh, this organ doesn't have any pedals, but it does have two complete manuals. So it's a unique instrument for 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 its uh, size. It has about what uh, it's it's like the size of two manual and pedal organ in in appearance, but it doesn't have any pedal stops. So uh, do you have an idea why it is so? Well, I think because um, Catholic Church. There were never much of congregational singing, and I think pedal organ and church organs especially needed to support congregational singing, and I think therefore that organ didn't need it, because congregation didn't sing, so... Aha, uh-huh. so uh, Catholics uh, basically differ from our neighbors Lutherans in the north, in Latvia, because... Um, Catholics would probably perform their music uh, alternating, right, with the chant, uh, in alternation, chant organ or choir and organ, which was later banned, this kind of procedure was banned uh, during Second Vatican Council. So, um, so Paul, uh, Paulus, uh, do you think that uh, Lutheran way of uh, performing congregational singing uh, might have changed the course of our organ culture in Lithuania? I guess so. Yes, maybe it could change. But I think uh, um, the reason why there is no pedals in in Titovin organ, maybe another that uh, nobody nobody was playing pedal at all. Maybe it was more, more manual playing. Mm-hmm. But still, I think there was a discussion with, with, with our colleagues, colleagues from abroad about Kasparini organ in Vilnius, Holy Ghost Church, that still there was no coupler, I think, manual with the pedal, and people were discussing, organists were discussing about this problem. And I think it's also because of this, because Kasparini built his organ in the monastery church, and also, I think congregation and monks didn't sing together with the organ, mm-hmm. so that's why pedal was quite small comparing mm-hmm. with the manual stops, mm-hmm. and we didn't need coupler added. So. Mm-hmm. And of course, also is talking about the famous Casparini organ in the Holy Ghost Church, uh, which uh, which uh, was uh, the replica of it was recently built at uh, in Rochester, New York. In America, um, it it was built in I think Christ Church in Rochester, and the problem was that they uh, they um, basically wanted to play Bach. They wanted to call it the Bach organ, of course, but um, it lacked some of the stops, more 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 prominent stops in the pedal, and also lacked uh, pedal coupler. So so they decided, I guess, to add the pedal coupler with the manuals. I think so. Mm-hmm. In order to be able to reproduce more more um, 
sort of pedal solos by Bach playable. Wonderful. So, Paulus, um, I'm interested in knowing your favorite Lithuanian organ. Do you remember what was the most fascinating instrument that you touched and played? Well, um, maybe I, I like romantic music mm -hmm. more than, than Baroque, I guess. So I, I think it was um, in, in Kulnas, in Soboros, so-called, uh, Valker organ. It, it, I liked it very much. And of course in Kulnas Cathedral, but uh, the, this instrument is on reconstruction now. Right. And uh, to be uh, more precise, uh, Kulnas uh, Garnison Church has this... Uh, uh, Valker organ with three manuals, right? Yes. Three manuals and a huge acoustics with maybe seven seconds of re reverberation. I haven't seen anything like that in Lithuania. You play something uh, very loud and fast and uh, the echo uh, reverberates in the room for seven full seconds. Not at night, but uh, during the day, normal day. So I could imagine at night it might be seven, eight or nine seconds. It's it's very, very reverberant room. And you have to be uh, very knowledgeable how to treat this instrument right in the correct and efficient way so that downstairs the listeners could understand what you're playing, right? Yes. Have you played this instrument yourself? Yes. During the during our demonstration, exactly, <laughs> we did uh, one of our demonstrations together in Kaunas, in in that uh, Garnison uh, Church. What was your first impression uh, about that organ? Uh, it, it was uh, quite easy to play, but mm -hmm. of its pneumatic action. And usually in Lithuania we have me mechanical action organs. Um, I liked the sound very much, mm -hmm. and of course, of, of the acoustics. Right, and uh, you could play lots and lots of symphonic repertoire, right? Uh, like, like you could play Vern very satisfactorily, and uh, Vidor also, and uh, and to recreate those uh, original French. Uh, French organ sounds that they, they have in Paris. So wonderful. Um, and Osha, uh, do you remember the pieces that you played for that uh, that uh, demonstration? Demonstration? Mm -hmm. Yes, I remember some of them. Well, in Titoveni, for example, I think we both played the Klavier Übung by Krebs. Uh -huh. And it sounded good in that church. Well, yes, because the the organ was built in the second half of the 18th century, almost at the same time as Klavirubung by Krebs. And you have to remember that this Klavirubung collection doesn't also require any pedals. You could sure. play with five, ten fingers of your hands. So it works really splendidly. And because it, ha it has quite a few stops, so you can register mm -hmm. it in a nice manner. Right. Wonderful. L let's go to our um, uh, section of, of, of uh, uh, conversation about the demonstration, purpose of demonstration. Uh, do you remember why did we started this demonstration? Why did we even bother to go to other uh, uh, significant or in less significant places and play for kids, 
uh, for older audiences. Uh, what inspired us to do that? Well, we wanted to promote the pipe organ, actually, and to show that it's still playable. And after many demonstrations, people would just be amazed how mm -hmm. the organ sound, because some of those sounds were never used and we have never heard them, especially reed stops. So we received quite a few comments from people about how 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 could it be possible, you know, to 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 get sounds from the organ like this. And Polos, do you remember? Uh, well, traditional, uh, normal, uh, very typical Lithuanian church service, right? A typical, uh, let's say, village organist would play. Uh, would he or she? Uh, use the full capacity of the instrument? Of organist? course no. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> of course no. Because usually organ is used as a accompanying instrument and uh, I rarely heard the organ as solo instrument playing in the service. Usually it is used as an accompanying instrument. Mm -hmm. I remember in some places we would find like organ pedal covered with a carpet like so you could just guess that organist, local organist never uses them. Oh yeah, now the story time. Do you remember one of the organs uh, where the bench was too high, right? Uh, uh, and uh, you could not reach uh, the pedal board with your heels. Sure. So, what was done uh, for that particular uh, bench? Do you remember? I remember there were some wooden uh, wooden plates just hammered to the hammered, yeah. hammered, yes. yes. To so that the bench. the bench was heightened uh, artificially, and uh, you couldn't really make it uh, uh, less uh, shorter, basically adjustable. So. Uh, not everyone was really comfortable in playing trio sonatas by Bach. <laughs> <laughs> right? I remember that time. Very strange. Great. Uh, so what was uh, people's reaction to your uh, to our demonstrations? I remember one, one person came, came, to, came to us and literally cried. Cried and said that she never heard something like that in her entire life. As you mentioned before, the instrument sounded like a full orchestra, right? So, did you have the, those experiences, Paulus? Yes, of course. In, 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 uh, uh, was that because of, of, of um, the variety of music you presented, or was it because of the familiarity of the music? Um, what inspired? Uh, I think I think uh, it was usual because um, because people never heard the organ as a solo instrument. Uh -huh. It was for the first time, and uh, usually organists in the small churches uses one or two registers, and usually they don't use another registers as mixtures, for example, because uh, for accompanying a chant. Or, or or him, you don't use mixtures mm -hmm. usually. So people, that may be that people for the first in their lives heard such sounds. Right. Plus, I think the repertoire that we played represented different group of stops, also like mm -hmm. string stops, 
fruits, fruits. Uh-huh. Maybe it's a good a good place now to de- de- describe what we did in general with the demonstration, right? We ju- usually started uh, our demonstrations with um, sort of uh, uh, um, maybe historical background of how the organ came into being, right? In ancient Greece, yes. how this man called uh, called uh, Ctesibius, uh, thanks, Paulus, uh, in in the third uh, century BC, uh, constructed the the water organ, hydraulis, right? And we talked about that. Uh, I, I remember during the first demonstrations, I didn't uh, know the text very well. Was not really fluent. So uh, remember, we had those. Uh, prompts uh, with little sheets of paper in front of us and we literally read everything and it wasn't very successful but little by little after five or ten demonstrations we started to improvise basically to say something we didn't rehearse to say something that was fit for that particular occasion right did that work well it was quite a challenge to speak and to play and you know to switch between us and yes it was quite a challenge I think during our demonstration with Vidas I did most of the playing part and Vidas did most of the talking part the same with me mm-hmm. and what was the, the most challenging part of, of uh, your experiences with demonstrations do you remember? well I think because usually we wouldn't have chance to rehearse before a demonstration so we would just you know do it right away and it's a challenge it's a new instrument you have to try things to present things represent to talk and it was really something yes you you never know what you will find. yes sometimes you pull out the stop and half of it didn't work Oh, you remember one church in Vievis here in near Vilnius, about 40 kilometers um, north of uh, or west uh, s- uh, north of Vilnius, and v- one of our colleagues works there, and we uh, successfully organized uh, the organ demonstration there. But the organ itself was a real amateur instrument. Uh, it, it was made from furniture. For furniture, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. And what was the metal of for pipes? Uh, it's used. Um, that metal is usually used for uh, like roof. Right, not typical uh, uh, lead and tin. Or foreign pipes, foreign pipes. I right. think yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the sound was quite quite scary actually. But the most scariest part I remember was that the names of the stops were not real, and uh, you push the principal button, and it would sound maybe mixture sound, or if you put uh, on the the flute sound maybe the reed would come on so so luckily we had local organist his name was Linus Linus um, uh, Linus Paschkevichus exactly our former colleague at uh, Lithuania Academy of Music and he luckily um, basically helped us register some of the pieces right so that was fun what else did we do? I remember Bogoslavishkis it's a very, a very, very small country, 
And uh, th that time we had some time before the demonstration, mm -hmm. and we tuned all the organ. I remember that, and and uh, and music teacher who, uh, who was playing in that church, she said she had never heard her organ <laughs> sound like this. Right, and uh, since you mentioned Bogoslavskis, this uh, particular. Um, uh, village church is especially very um, dear and near to me because that's the place where I grew up uh, basically it's my parish uh, my mom's basically parish and uh, when we spent summers together at our grandparents farm basically many many years ago um, it was common for, for my mom and myself to travel on foot five kilometers to that church and basically uh, to ask the priest to, 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 to let us play the organ. And I was about maybe in the sixth grade or so. Uh, I could play some piano music, some keyboard music. Um, and that was the first instrument that I actually encountered. Uh, I, I, do you remember that uh, smell, the wooden sm smell of that organ? Yes. The wooden, wooden, especially. I still remember to this day, and uh, this is very, very um, f transformative experience for me. It doesn't have any pedals, though. Mm -hmm. It only has one, one manual. Nineteenth century, maybe twenty-first, twenty-century first half instrument. Uh, very, um, very few stops. But you could play, um, if, if you register wisely, you could play lots of, lots of solo organ repertoire as well. Well, I think the funniest thing that with us and I experienced when we went to Dukshe Parish to play, it's in the southern part of Lithuania. Before that, we just had a conversation on the phone with priest and asked, do you have an organ? And he said, oh yes, we do have organ. And when we asked the local organist already on the spot, I mean, where that organ is, and apparently we didn't have one. And we, what do we have? Uh, synthesizer. The, no, no, harmonium. Harmonium, yes. Right. But when that local organist, he brought synthesizer from home and we played it on that mm -hmm. thing. Usually we would be very, very strict about pipe organs, right? Yes. Uh, while choosing the church, we would really uh, inquire, do, is your organ playable? Is, does your organ have pipes? You know, to be very specific, because you never know with those priests uh, if your organ, if their organ is playable. Uh, and uh, and we, we had to make sure that it could be playable. But in that particular situation, the priest literally didn't know that his organ uh, had pipes or no. So, so luck, lucky for us that local organist helped out and uh, had uh, the synthesizer in his trunk of the of the car. I think I was so shocked and so embarrassed that I think I left all my music sheets in that church and never recovered them. <laughs> Right, we left uh, all our demonstration collection for the local org organists to enjoy. Hopefully, they do organ demonstrations every Sunday since then. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, so, Paulus, uh, tell us a little bit, uh, uh, what is your regular Sunday look like? 
my regular Sunday. I get up at six, have my coffee, <laughs> and I start uh, my job in church at at eight o'clock usually. Mm-hmm. What kind of a church is that? Could you it give, is, us, give uh, us a name? This uh, Saint Joseph's mm-hmm. Church in Berlin, and uh, I have uh, two services, one in Lithuanian and another in a Polish language. And after that, I'm free. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Polish language. Why, Polish, why yes. do they have Polish services in Lithuania? Uh, in Le- it is it is not in Lithuania. It is uh, actually in Vilnius district mm-hmm. because we have uh, quite a lot of Polish people living in this district. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you lead the choir in this church? Are in church in choir? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one is uh, in Lithuanian language and another is in Polish. So basically, you are leading two choirs, yes. right? And um, do you have a pipe organ? No, church? not yet. Because it's uh, it is actually it's not a church. It is a chapel, and it's quite new, only fifteen years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, um, because of the reason that uh, the new church is going to be built. Uh, that's why nobody actually built a real pipe organ there, and everybody's waiting for for a new church and to have a real pipe organ in there. Mm-hmm. So you have to be satisfied with the electronic organ, right? Uh, for the well, time being. Well, we are waiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And of course, we can uh, we uh, testify with OSHA. We went uh, a few times in in Polish church. Um, that musical program in in your place is uh, quite uh, quite uh, uh, on the high standard. I think so. It could be uh, I I can tell Polus a compliment uh, that once I was visiting uh, his church and I heard uh, the organist play some hymns. And I literally suddenly realized it it was not Paulus playing. So it, another organist was playing uh, and you could really hear the difference. So thank you, Paulus, for maintaining high standards of church music in your parish. Thank you. Uh, wonderful. So um, do you have to sing in your uh, in your church too? Yes, yes, yes. What do you uh, if, if it is uh, just a normal working day, so... Yes. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think? What do I think? Hymns, usually. Hymns, right? Yes. So uh, uh, let's, let's let's talk a little bit about the organist situation in 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 church music uh, uh, environment in Lithuania. Um, is that true that uh, most of the time Lithuanian organists have not only uh, to play the organ but also to be able to sing together while playing? Yes, you usually in Lithuania and also actually in Poland, mm-hmm. it's the same, I guess, that you have to lead a choir, play the organ, and sing as well. Fantastic. Uh, do you know uh, why why did such a tradition develop in Lithuania? What's your well? Opinion? I think it's also because we are Catholics. Most of us mm-hmm. are Catholics, and the Catholic tradition requires that. For example, like in Lent period. You cannot play solo organ music, it must be accompanied by voice. So there is no possibility just to play organ, so 
you have to sing. Mm -hmm. Let's speculate a little bit. Uh, why, why most of the churches don't have uh, choir directors and organists as a separate person, a separate uh, team, two people, right, working mm -hmm. together? And why one organist have to do the both uh, jobs here in Lithuania? Most of the time. Well, of I, I think it's you know it's such a complex problem that it's it's hard even to tell one reason. Many reasons. Right? One of them reasons. is of course finances. Right. Finances, it's cheaper to to hire one person to do two jobs than to to hire two people to But do. But I don't think it's the main problem. Finance. I think there are so few people left, especially in like village. Village places in Lithuania, population is diminishing so fast. People emigrating, young people emigrating mm -hmm. from Lithuania, and if new people come, you know, we just stay in Vilnius, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. capital city. So in the capital of, of Lithuania, it's a little bit different situation, sure. probably. Yes. I think so. Yes. Uh, higher standards of church music, right? Yes. Because because just um, after graduating musical academy, usually those organists stay in Vilnius. Mm -hmm. So of course you have a high level. Yeah. And what happens uh, out in the countryside, uh, in those village churches? Can uh, professional organists uh, organists survive there, or or do they have? to find a few other types of positions in 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 addition to that i think a, a position of a, an organist is is an addition mm -hmm. to some other job it's not that you are organist and you are uh, looking for additional job uh -huh. no you are you have a job and your additional job is organist so what is uh, usual occupation of the organist in countryside Usually, like music teachers at the local mm -hmm. uh, school, or choir conductors also. Uh, musicians for weddings, probably too. Sure, mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. yes. Sometimes. Uh, so playing piano and leading the choir really helps, right? And teaching music at school to do some additional work as an organist in the country. Um, and I think it's a good time to mention that Paulus actually he is. Uh, Professional lawyer, he's. Mm -hmm. I mean, his main job is. It's kind of unusual here in Lithuania sure. to have uh, this kind of uh, non-musical degree, uh, but plus you have a passion for for organ playing, and you uh, followed through with your passion. Not only you listen to the to the organ music at home and you dream about becoming an organist. No, you took action and became an organist. That's kind of unusual. So we applaud you. Sure, and it amazes me that, you know, he, Paulus has master's degree from the law school of Vilnius University. Mm -hmm. And actually he plays organ so well and, you know, works in touch. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Uh, let's let's see if, if we can... Uh, Uh, describe a few of the challenges that uh, church organ uh, organist in Lithuania faces. What are the most common three challenges in, in Lithuania? I think the, the the biggest challenge is instrument. Even if you have pipe organ in your church, you usually usually 
you don't have money for maintaining them. Mm-hmm. You don't. You, they are untuned, or just you. You need a restoration. Re- restoration. Or repairing some parts yes, of it. Yes. Um, another, the second problem in Lithuania, in Lithu- in Lithuanian language, even because of the Second uh, Vatican Council, you have you 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 can sing in a national language. Not in Latin, so we have another problem of repertoire mm-hmm. in Lithuanian. Right. I can compare very good because I now I am working with uh, Lithuanians and Polish, so I don't have any problems with repertoire in Polish language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, because uh, of course it's a bigger country, of mm-hmm. everything we get from Poland. Uh, but uh, that in in Lithuanian language, I think it is a problem, because even composers who are composing uh, music, they don't compose liturgical music. It's music for service. Mm-hmm. You can hear many sacred music, but it it is not for liturgical purpose. Mm-hmm. Sacred concert music, basically. Right? Yes, mm-hmm. it's usually used for the concerts, not not for service. Are the concerts tolerated in church very well? In my church, yes, very much. So you are kind of lucky to to have <laughs> yes. this kind of situation where everybody can... is invited, and and you in 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 my church you can even hear not not sacred music uh-huh. sometimes. Uh, Osha, what is in other? Places. What is the situation? Oh, I think it's not as good mm-hmm. because in many places you have to, you know, to give your concert repertoire to bishop to approve, and if he doesn't like like names of your pieces, for example, remember once we had to mm-hmm. problem with Bach's Brandenburg Concerto, we could not call it Brandenburg Concerto. And we we had just to add the like tempos of uh, movements like allegro <laughs> and bande, and that's it. Right, that was in Vilnius uh, Cathedral. Cathedral. Yeah. Yes, I heard the same about uh, the pieces called fantasy, for example. Oh, fantasy is not religious, right? <laughs> so, oh, even in Tituvenius we played the Klavirubung. I remember we could not call it Klavirubung. We had to call it Mass for the organ. Mass for the organ. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it it rings a bell with uh, with Klavirubung Part Three by Johann Sebastian Bach, and uh, there is an opinion, right, that it might be um, conceived as a Lutheran mass, organ mass, right, one of the uh, versions. So maybe organizers of this particular uh, concert had to they had an idea. Maybe these crepses chorales could also be thought of organ mass as well. Now, I remember a very good uh, thought by Bernardas Vasilauskas, the organist of Vilnius Cathedral. Uh, he said that all the music is sacred, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, there is no such music that you couldn't play in the church. Yes, I couldn't agree more. It's just you no know, how to think about it. Well, because uh, music is something uh, that we communicate when we cannot speak. Uh, it transcends language, transcends words. So it's yes, it it is sacred in in in, in some sense, yes. right? 
and uh, and I guess that we have here in the in this situation we have another problem. It's a problem of education, I guess, because people, right. if you, if they say that uh, such piece as fantasy can can be played in in a church, so they are not familiar with the music at all, because just. Uh, a title of a piece. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't know what composer was thinking when he was composing. Maybe he, he had reli- religious fantasies, mm-hmm. actually. Are you referring to the lack of education of the listeners or of the priests? I think both. Both. Right? Both. Do you know if the church music courses are taught in seminaries in Lithuania? Yeah. Some sort of church music, so courses. I guess a little bit. A little, a just little, a little, but not enough, little, right? Yeah. But when you listen to like singing mass, when you have to, you have like musical dialogue with mm-hmm. the priest. You know, he sings and you answer, and you can listen like in short phrase. He changes key like a few times, mm-hmm. and you never know on which tune he will finish on which note and you don't know what to play for an answer. Yeah, it happens that an organist... Because he, he just modulates you know, a few times an in one short phrase. Would would uh, answer his uh, uh, phrase in one key, then the priest would modulate, right? And the organist would have to modulate one more time, right? And, and the same is for choir, it's kind of tricky. Uh, Paulus, does your priest have a good uh, musical pitch? Not very bad, actually. But uh, I have a solution for for that problem. Usually, I don't answer with the organ. If if the if it is um, another priest who is changing pitch, usually I don't use organ. I just sing. That's mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. That's a clever solution. Then you don't need to literally manually try to do uh, some searching, right? Uh, yes. Back and forth, uh, semitones up and down. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. <laughs> In organo pleno registration, <laughs> that's sometimes um, embarrassing. Mm, right. Uh, so uh, lack of education, right? You say is one of the biggest problems. And that probably concerns us all, not only for people who are working in churches or not, but also for organists who play recitals also. Because music which is played in, in, in churches during recitals might not be understood by the general audience. Don't you think? Sure. Mm-hmm. What's the, the most common solution for that. Imagine you, we are not living in a perfect world, of course. We cannot suddenly uh, educate everybody that we want to educate, right? Uh, what uh, what shortcuts or or uh, roundabouts we, we can go to, to find another way how to connect with the audience, whether in liturgical setting or extra-liturgical uh, activities like recitals? Probably to strengthen music programs in the public schools at the beginning. Yes, or if you have a recital, for example, music of Messian, so you always can speak about that music mm-hmm. before playing it. I think the listener then listens in another way. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's a quite good solution. Or if you bring, if you are playing a cycle, you sometimes you can use biblical even citations from from Bible just to to illustrate the music to give something to think about yes. for the people, right? Yes, because because it's quite uh, hard music. Actually, it's not not easy to listen mm -hmm. sometimes. I think I, I don't think that um, it is a problem of the listener. I think it is it, the problem it has an organist who who is going to play that music and and he has to think how to introduce that music so that uh, that listeners would be mm -hmm. that listeners would appreciate it. Well, we touched upon a very sensitive subject here. Of course, uh, we everybody would love to be able to play for our audiences and, and to be understood and appreciated right, for the hard work we do. But in reality, um, not too many people can understand the complexities that go go into this work to prepare the pieces, right? And sometimes half empty halls can be during recitals, right? Or people who will come will never show up again, for example. Uh, that That's a problem too. So... Um, uh, but you say that uh, uh, talking during recital or or um, event, at least program notes. Program, program notes, notes, right? Yes. Program notes. What is more more connecting, live word or the written word? I think live word, but not everybody can do it. Mm -hmm. When we studied in USA, you remember we had to do like lecture recital. Mm -hmm. At least one, and we learn how to talk publicly, but but not everybody can do it. I think it's quite uh, hard for an organist who is going to play. He has to concentrate himself yes. and and to talk before the playing. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, you always can ask your colleague mm -hmm. to do it for you. Exactly, two person yes. uh, collaboration, right? Like narrator, narrator. You could think up the the text, maybe as you say, by biblical citations, and that narrator, your priest, even you could yes. be involved uh, of we, reading. Right? Yes, we, actually, we uh, we were making such concert of Pergolesis Tabat Mater. Mm -hmm. it, it is sung, actually, not played, but uh, but my priest was um, uh, reading the text in Lithuanian, so everybody could understand and and, and even him. He made some thoughts about uh, or meditations mm -hmm. for for each stanza, and that is very very successful, right? Yes. It, it helps to yes. connect, right? Sure. And without connection, we cannot really hope to be appreciated and understood, right? And uh, we need to be understood in order to be trusted and trustworthy, right? People uh, uh, like to to go to uh, events and concerts and cultural activities uh, of people who they like, know and trust. So uh, that's uh, this is one of the ways we can uh, try to earn people's trust with communicating and, and connected, connecting with them. So I hope our listeners can get a little bit of insight and inspiration for their own um, cultural activities in their own parishes, wherever they are, even in, in other parts of, of, of the world, whether in, in, in uh, Western societies like America 
or uh, or Europe, Western Europe, for example, but it could could be even in other countries like in Africa or South America, where organ art is in a different, completely different situation. I would be very curious to find out what's the state of organ playing in, for example, South America or or Nigeria, for example. That would be very very interesting. I bet they they would share some some common insights uh, like we do but I guess some of the local situations are much different from our perspective so wonderful Um, uh, before we end uh, of course uh, let's um, let's ask you guys um, what's the the best place to connect with you online could you give us a link uh, where people can go and find out more about you and your work Austria. Well, my email address is ausra.mozeitepak.com. Fantastic. I will put uh, this email into this, the description of this podcast. And of course, people can find Osha daily in her harmony exercise, the, the exercises that go into this blog of Secrets of Organ Playing. So go ahead and check, check it out uh, on organduo.lt. Uh, and what about uh, uh, Paulus? What's the best way to find out more about your work? Mm. <laughs> I uh, I can see my emails. <laughs> you you won't find my work at, at internet. Oh, how about Facebook? Do you do you use Facebook? Yes. All right. So uh, I'll make sure I'll include uh, the link to this Facebook profile. And of course, uh, your church has a website, right? Yes. Can you spell it out for us? Pilatesparapet.lt. Uh, okay. I will include that into the description of this podcast. As well, so if you need to find out more about uh, what Paulus does and uh, his cultural activities in in the uh, parish of uh, Saint Joseph in Vilnius, go ahead and um, visit his his uh, internet site for for this church. Fantastic, guys! Thank you so much for the work you do. I hope you will continue doing the work that matters for a lot of people around you. And uh, before we end. Let's us uh, let's talk just very briefly uh, about one thing, one thing only. What is number one thing you wish you knew when you first started the organ, but you didn't, but you know now? Can you share us? Can you share uh, that insight with us, which helps you today, but you didn't know about that uh, many years ago, Osha? Let's start with you. Well, that's a very hard question. Good. Imagine you were a beginner, right? What was the most challenging uh, thing for you to, to start? play pedal? Right. But now I think that it's one of the easiest thing in organ to play. And what, what is your number one advice for people who are trying to play pedal successfully? Don't be scared. Just do it. Just try it and you will succeed. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You're very generous. And Paulus, what about you? What the was the most challenging, challenging when you were just started? Of course, you're not a beginner anymore. You yes, uh, of course it was pedal. 
because I was playing piano before the organ, so the pedal was <laughs> the most challenging thing. Um, and uh, what I know now and didn't knew uh -huh. then. Um, What about uh, what about uh, some of the uh, pedaling techniques? Was it very interest, uh, easy for you to pedal uh, organ pieces to find out where the heel or toe goes? Was that challenging too? It it was yes, but I had a very good uh, book right. on organ technique. Actually, thank you, Vidas, for that book. But uh, I'm not the author of that. Yes, you are not the the author of that book. Uh, and who is the author of that book? Richie. Uh, Dr. George Richie, right? George Richie, and, yes. and George um, Stauffer, right? Quint, uh, George uh, Richie and George Stauffer wrote, co-wrote the book Organ Technique. Modern, Modern and, and Early. Yes. You can check it out. So, so it helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. It was like the first things I, I played from that book, exercised some. So. And actually also what I found out while playing organ for many years now, that actually organ itself can teach you a lot. You just have to learn to listen to it, and it will tell you what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Uh, what is inspiring to you now, uh, as when you are just uh, uh, progressing into the next stage of your organ playing? What is the most inspiring. Why do you keep playing the organ now, after decades of learning, Osha? What is the most intriguing and, and curious fact about the organ that uh, helps you to discover more and more uh, horizons of organ playing? Well, the thing for me is that I never treat organ as a musical instrument. It, for me, it's a real person, so when I'm playing organ, I'm actually having a conversation with a person and it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. It tells me many, many things. Fantastic insight. I hope uh, people around the world will start to think about the organ differently now. And what about you, Paulus? Um, what's inspiring in the organ? There's so you? many repertoire that, I'm, uh, that I haven't played. <laughs> so, uh, it's also... Um, I'm listening to organ music a lot mm -hmm. on the internet and, and, and that inspires me too and and of course uh, uh, each each instrument is different that that's what what is inspiring actually I'm not talking of course about my 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 job but but when you travel you usually don't know what you will find, what instrument, and, and it's also very inspiring. Fantastic. Thank you so, uh, so much, guys, for this conversation. It's so inspiring, and uh, I hope uh, we can do it again. It was very fun. Thank you. Thank you. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog Secrets of Organ Playing at organduo.lt where you will find lots of insights, practical advice and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. 
hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vida Spinkavitus. Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you online really soon.